And it's always great to be in the Lord's house. And what encouragement we gain from gathering together with the saints. Amen. Friday um, afternoon, uh, I got a phone call. And I've had many phone calls. I, people call me all the time. And sometimes I don't know what to call me, John, but people call me all the time. Friday, I got a phone call and said, uh, Brother Mike, I just got a phone call that that said that uh, Rachel's dad, Mr. Ray Nix, has just, they just found him passed away. And I said, well, no, 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 this, this, this can't be, this can't be right. This is not true. I said, I will call them. So I hung up the phone and, and uh, tried Lynn. His wife, and she didn't answer. And so I called the daughter. She answered. I said, Rachel, tell me this is not true. Please tell me this is not right. She crying in tears and said, Mike, it's true. For those of you who don't know Ray Nix, uh, Ray uh, was uh, a testimony, uh, a great example um, of what being Christ-like looked like. Ray was a deacon. He uh, served in our children's ministry in a, no, a number of ways. He taught fifth grade. He's the current fifth grade teacher was and, and how hard it was for them today to have to sit in there and who they call Paul was not in there. Uh, that was difficult. Um, taught Sunday school for years. Uh, he has taught um, Puggles in Awana. That's uh, preschoolers in Awana. Um, and he loved it. They called him Paul Paul, and Ray Nix was just a, a great man. And, and uh, East Taboga Baptist will greatly miss uh, Ray Nix. And, and uh, he, he has definitely left a hole um, in our church. And, and uh, it was just a hard thing to do. I, it's hard to uh, try to process, you know, something like that. And um, the next, I went to their house and. and um, you know, tried somehow in my limited ability and limited wisdom to try to give some encouragement, and that's just impossible. You can't, uh, there are no words to uh, try to encourage someone that is literally uh, laying over um, the unoccupied uh, vessel of their husband or dad. Um, and I'm supposed to come in and encourage. Uh, there's, I can't do that. Um, I have realized, you know, in my position that there's no way I can do that. Um, and so as I tried to do that, many of you came by and tried to do that yourself. It was a late night. Saturday morning I got up and I was reading uh, my daily Bible reading that I'm doing and, and uh, reading through the New Testament. And I started Saturday morning in Acts chapter 1. I was supposed to do Acts chapter 1 on Friday morning. But I got busy on Thursday and did Thursday's reading on Friday and Friday's reading on Saturday. I think God knew what was going to happen. And so on Saturday morning, we're still trying to process what had taken place and how this will greatly affect uh, East Aboga Baptist Church and how there will be a lot of holes to be filled and how a lot of people will need to kind of fill in the gaps of where he served and how he served and uh, we'll desperately be looking for that, and if you can help in any way, we would be grateful. Um, I read Acts 1, and Acts chapter 1, there was a verse in there that really uh, spoke 
um, a lot about the situation. It's Acts chapter 1. Uh, and if you can turn to Acts chapter 1, uh, just to let you know, uh, I know the worship guide in your outline says Jude 3. Uh, that is what I had planned for preaching today. But at 9.30 last night, uh, God began to deal with my heart, and uh, God began to lead me in a different direction for this morning. Um, and so normally when you have a whole week of preparation, a whole week of prayer, a whole week of studying, a time of the Lord, uh, this time I had about two hours. And, uh, and so we're going in a different direction this morning. I hope that's okay with you. I believe it's where God would have us to be today. Um, and not only just for the Nick's family, but also for you and your own life and your own family uh, and your own situations and things that you're going through and hardships. Well, in Acts chapter 1, the disciples, uh, this is the writing of Luke. We, you just finished the gospel of Luke and then you go over to the book of Acts. Uh, Luke has experienced life with Jesus. He's walked with Christ. He's talked with Jesus and, and wrote about the gospel of Luke. And He's wrote about the, the, uh, the cross and the resurrection and the ascending up back into heaven. He's wrote about all those things. And so now Luke is transitioning into what life is looking like after Christ, after the Lord Jesus has ascended back into heaven. And so we pick up where the disciples are together. And he says that they are asking Jesus uh, when certain things are going to happen, uh, when certain periods are going to happen, uh, when are they going to happen, how are they going to happen, what is it going to look like. And, and just before uh, verse 7, they said, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And so they're asking Christ, they're asking the Lord, God, when are you going to do some of these things, these things you're talking about? When, when are these going to happen? And then Christ spoke to the disciples, and not just them. He speaks to you and I today uh, through the scriptures in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, where Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has said by his own authority. I think that's a timely word for you and I today. It is not for you to know, it's not for me to know, the times or periods that God has said. And the reason he has set them, because he has all authority. They are set by his own authority. So everything that happens in your life, everything that happens in my life, the life of our church, they are periods and times that God has already set by his authority. And so I'm going to lead us today in the message I've entitled, in the two hours I had a little bit last night and this morning. Uh, I praise God, and I, I pray that uh, the, the scriptures and uh, the message the Lord has for us uh, will cause your heart uh, to be blessed. Uh, I, I thought it was uh, funny, uh, after the first service, someone come, came up to me and said, uh, Brother Mike, how you doing? I said, well, I'm fine. And they said, well, you need to get some rest. And I said, well, okay, I'll do that. Uh, and they said, well, you look tired. And I said, well, that's the way I look, I guess. I don't know. Uh, maybe God made me look tired sometimes. Um, but uh, I'm going to put all the energy I have in it. So uh, I entitled this message, God's Authority versus Man's Autonomy. God's Authority versus Man's Autonomy. The, you know what authority means. I don't describe that to you. The word autonomy 
uh, is a word, it often describes the Baptist church, that we are what's called autonomous, meaning we own our own buildings, we own our own land, and, and we call our own staff, we, we do our own events, and we um, uh, bring in and let go of staff members how we want to. Basically, we're autonomous. Nobody outside of this church tells us what to do, okay? Uh, and so they can't do, we're autonomous. And so that's what it means by man's autonomy, meaning you are the authority in your own life, and nobody's going to tell you what to do. And so I entitled this God's authority versus man's autonomy. This ideal is from the very beginning when, uh, of time has been intrigued. Man has been intrigued and in love with our own autonomy. We've been in love with our own authority. Adam and Eve had it perfect and lived under God's rule and authority. And the result was perfection. And the reason why it was perfection in the Garden of Eden was because they lived under the rule of God's authority. And they submitted to God's authority. But then they were seduced. They became seduced. How were they seduced? They were convinced by the adversary to follow their own desires and installing themselves as their highest authority. They were seduced. They lived under the authority of the Father, but then they were seduced at one time to uh, enlist themselves as their own highest authority, meaning you don't have to do what God says. You don't have to trust in Him. You can do what you want to. You're your highest authority, not God. And they bought it. They bought it. You would think one of them would say, yeah, but as we're living under God's authority, we got it really nice here. I mean, it's, it's good. They didn't even know evil. They had no clue about evil, no clue about wrong. They'd never experienced sin or death. Can you imagine that? It was heaven on earth. And then at one moment, they swapped from God's authority to man's autonomy. And we have paid the price ever since. You know why we experience death in life? Because at one time, man said, I would rather be my own authority than God. You don't have to listen to God. You don't have to do what he says. He didn't really say that. You can do what you want to do. But yeah, but God said don't do that. No, 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 no. You can be your own authority. And they bought it. They did it. And so from that point on, we've been suffering the effects of man's autonomy. And listen, in your own life, you suffer the effects of man's autonomy rather than submitting and trusting in God's authority into his submission and submitting your life to him and his authority. Uh, number one, we must learn to trust in God's authority. We must learn to trust in God's authority. There's a reason why God runs the universe. You know that? There's a reason why he keeps the world spinning, why he puts air in our lungs and directs your paths. There's a reason why God does all of those things. Man does not have the wisdom to do it. Man does not have the power to do it. Man does not have the mind to do it. Man does not have the know-how to do it. But God does, amen? God does. God has the wisdom. He has the power. He has the authority, the mind, the know-how to do everything, to run everything. Man lacks in all things, but not God. Man lacks in all things, but not the Lord. God lacks in nothing, amen? Man falls short in all things, but not God. God doesn't fall short of anything. 
Man's plans are flawed and selfish, but not God's. Every plan you ever make is flawed, it's selfish, but not the Lord. God is right. He is righteous. He is not self-serving. He is not prideful. Everything God does is right. No plans that God has ever made in your life or in my life ever is made out of pride or self-righteousness. Everything God does is right. It's precise. It's planned out. So therefore, he needs no other power from you. He needs no other power from me. He needs no other help and authority from you nor from I. All of those reasons and a million more are reasons why you should put your trust and hope in him and put your trust in his authority. That's a reason why he spins the world the way he does. Because you know why? You and I would mess it up. We couldn't even handle one command. We could not even handle one simple command. You can do whatever you want, God told Adam and Eve. Just don't eat from that one tree. We couldn't even follow one command. And we blew it. You know why? Because man's autonomy in that moment was more important than God's authority. And you do it in your own life today. I have a battle with that every day, uh, facing my um, need for my own autonomy. We must learn to trust in God's authority. Everything he does is planned out. So when things happen in your life, you know I can trust in him. I know I can trust in the goodness of God. Number two, God is the great fixer. He's the great fixer. When I walked into uh, the home of Ray and Lynn Nix, uh, I was not expecting um, his body to actually still be there. And as I walk in, I hear the weeping and the mourning and the crying out because they've lost their dad and lost their husband of 42 years. And I begin to walk in and go, oh God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do here? I'm walking into a room full of broken hearts, shattered to pieces. You can just see their broken hearts all over the room in tears. Puddles of tears on the floor, uh, um, just pictures of their broken hearts and I began to cry out to the Lord and said, Lord, I don't know what to do here. I don't know how I'm going to help them. And God told me, I just, I feel God's presence say, Mike, you don't have to. I fix broken hearts. I'm the heart fixer. I can fix broken hearts. And listen, in your own life, things have happened. Uh, circumstances have happened. Situations have happened. And they have broken your heart. Will you hear me today? God can fix a broken heart. God can put together a broken heart. He formed your heart one time. He can put it back together. Amen? He can do that. That's why we trust in his authority. That's why we trust in his sovereignty and who he is and who God is. And we follow his paths and his words and his commands because he knows how to put a broken heart back together. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so glad I don't have to do that. I don't have the power or the wisdom to do so. He fixes broken hearts. He fixes broken relationships, broken homes, broken job opportunities. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7.13, Consider what God has done. Who can straighten out what he has made crooked? Who can straighten out what God 
has made crooked. God allows tragedies. He allows um, calamities and adversities to come into your life. And those opportunities and those things are crooked things. They, they're not straight. But who on earth can make anything crooked straight again? The writer of Ecclesiastes says, God can. God can do it. We don't know adversity. We don't know tragedies uh, like some people do. We experience these things. He says, what, consider what God has done. Who can straighten out what he has made crooked? Sometimes in our lives, God brings or allows a crooked to happen. And when it happens, we must trust that only he can make it straight again. Sometimes God brings a crooked in your life. Now, we can debate on whether he causes it or allows it, whatever. If God's sovereign, he's allowed it somehow. But here's what I know. If God causes a crooked in your life, then God's the only one that makes it straight again. And if you'll trust in his authority, trust and know that that crooked in your life was not an oops, it was a precise plan to happen in your life so that you would trust in his authority, release your autonomy, trust in his authority, so he can make crooked straight again. And when we are crooked, make straight again, we are uh, perpendicular to the Lord, and we look up to him and his glory and his authority, his strength and his comfort. It's going to happen in your life. At some point, a crooked will happen. It may be the death of a loved one. It may be a loss of a job. It may be uh, a loss of a child or a broken relationship, broken marriage. It may be a, um, uh, where you uh, totally lose all of your possessions somehow. At some point, a crooked's going to come into your life. The question is, who are you going to run to to make it straight? Nothing and no one can make that crooked straight but the Lord. Amen? You can run to people, it'll still be crooked. You can run to alcohol or drugs and other substances, it'll still be crooked. You can run to church or Sunday school or, or, or the bar or wherever you want to run, and you can run to an island, it's still going to be crooked. Only God can make it crooked straight again. Amen? And that's who we run to. That's who we submit to. And that's where our authority comes from. Most people say you're either going into a storm in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. Everybody's in one of those three. Either going into a storm, you're in the middle of one right now, or you're just coming out of one. Listen, when God allows a crooked in your life, only he can make it straight again. Trust in his authority. Number three, the sovereignty of God is governing over our lives. The sovereignty of God governs our life. This word sovereignty, the definition would be supreme power and authority, meaning uh, there is no greater power or authority above the one who is sovereign. So whoever claims themselves to be sovereign, they don't answer to anyone, they don't seek advice from anyone, they don't share their authority or power from anyone, they own all the authority. And God has claimed himself to be the sovereign king. 
And so therefore, if he is sovereign Lord, he has supreme power, all authority. He does not have to share that authority. He does not have to answer to anyone about that authority. He does not have to seek advice from anyone about that authority. And he's certainly not going to share it with you or me. He owns that authority. He don't need you. He don't need me. He don't need the greatest of Christians and pastors out there. God is sovereign. He is supreme power, supreme authority. Why wouldn't you trust in him? Why wouldn't you put your trust in a God like that? It also means self-governing. This word sovereignty means self-governing. It's another reason why we should eliminate our autonomy and trust in God's authority. He has no need to look outside of himself for any more power, wisdom, or authority. God has all authority. He has no need to come to you for power or authority. Any authority you have is flawed authority. Any power you may have on earth is flawed power because you are a sinful man or woman, but not God's authority. He is such a God that he doesn't have to go outside of himself to seek advice. You do. He doesn't have to go outside of himself for some authority or or power from anything, but you do. I do. So therefore, you are not sovereign. I am not sovereign. We have our own autonomy, but God has all the authority. And we should trust in that God. In Limitations chapter 3, I love the way uh, this is put. Limitations 3, listen to what it says, verse 37. Who is there who speaks and it happens unless the Lord has ordained it? Who in the world, who is there who speaks and it happens? You know, when God speaks, things happen. That don't happen all the time, does it? If you've got kids, you know. You can speak and 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 speak. And, speak. and sometimes it still don't happen. Then you've got to get some encouraging, something that we call an encourager. That's what we call it. You remember that paint stirrer I talked about? My wife broke that thing. Not only kid, by the way. She told me over the phone, she said, anyway, one of the kids was giving some fits, and he needed some encouragement. So we got the encourager out, or she did. She said, by the way, I broke it. I was like, what? On him? No, no, I didn't break it on him. Well, you probably should have, but anyway scriptures say who is there who speaks and it happens but the Lord but him he goes on in limitations do not both adversity and good come from the mouth of the most high you know what this means you're going to have bad you're going to experience some bad you will experience some calamity some adversity in your life but does not both adversity and good come from the mouth of the most high Verse 39, why should any living person complain, any man, because of the punishment for his sins? Listen to verse 40. Let us examine and probe our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us examine and probe our autonomous ways and let us go and return back to the Lord. Only God can make take a calamity and take adversity and trials and tribulations and make good come from it. Only God can speak hardships and can allow calamities in your life and in the very next turn uh, allow you to experience goodness and kindness. 
And many times that goodness and kindness and great grace that comes from him comes out of that calamity and out of that harsh circumstance that you had to deal with. I told uh, Lynn, Ray's wife, and their family, I said, Lynn, I have no idea what God's up to. I have, I mean, I have the slightest idea of what God is up to. It's almost like you say, well, God, didn't you know everything that he did here? I mean, didn't you know he was Sunday school teacher for children? They loved him to death. Lord, didn't you know that? Didn't you know that every Wednesday night he's down there with those uh, preschoolers and, man, they follow him around and you walk past their room and he's got them all holding hands, you know, praying one another, walking down the hall, holding hands to one another. Man, they just loved him dearly, called him Papa. God, didn't you know that? Didn't you know that he was a deacon and he served the church, he cooked meals all the time? Or didn't you know all that? I told the family, I said, look, I, I have the slightest idea of what God's doing, but here's what I do know. He has all authority. And his scriptures teach us that good, uh, uh, calamity and good come from him. And so if God allows calamity, listen to me, there's good coming. And at some point, he will reveal to them, and listen, many of you in this room, you're dealing with things even now. God will eventually reveal to you the good in all of your circumstances. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know what it'll look like, but he will reveal those things to you. For out of the greatest calamity, out of the greatest uh, thing that we have ever witnessed in sorrow and uh, persecution that we've ever witnessed, the death of Christ, God's one and only Son, came the greatest good we could ever experience in that salvation. It's the greatest picture of limitations uh, where he says, don't both calamity and good come from the mouth of God? Absolutely. The calamity of giving up his own son to die on the cross for your sins, seeing his one and only son being tortured and, and hung and nailed to a cross. But then the good coming out of that is the, uh, where people can be saved from it. Because of that calamity, people are getting saved through it. Listen, I believe this with all my heart. I believe God does things and he allows things to happen so that people will get saved. I believe that. I believe that. We don't have to worry about Ray. Hey, Ray trusted the Lord. Amen. Ray believed in the Lord. He trusted in the Lord. He trusted in Christ as his Lord and Savior and for the redemption of his sins. Ray did that. And I believe, we don't have to worry about Ray. He's fine. He's much better than we are. I promise you that. We don't have to worry about him. But I told Lynn and I told their family, God will bring salvation through this. I believe that. Through the calamity, ultimate good will come out. God will be honored and glorified. Trust in his authority. Abraham Lincoln said, Sir, my concern is not whether God is on my side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. For God is always right. I believe that. I hope you do. God is always right. Now, you look at a situation like Ray Nick's family, just, just like that, life was taken. I mean, just like that. We think it was a massive heart attack. But I, we don't know that for sure. But just like that, life was taken. And a wife, a daughter, uh, I mean a grandson that he just straight up loved. I think he loved his grandson more than anybody else. I, I really believe. You grandparents out there, you're like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. If I could have grandkids first, I wouldn't have kids. But anyway, I, that's what some of you are thinking, maybe. I'd have skipped the whole kids thing. <laughs> I don't know if he does that. I don't understand why God does that. But here's what I know. God is always right. 
I believe that. If God wasn't right and God was wrong, he's not worth our time. He's not worth our worship. He's not worth our energy. He's not worth us praising him and honoring him. I believe everything God does is good. I don't believe for one second in your life anything that God does is bad. So don't have, don't look at God and say, God, this is bad for me. I know that's hard not to do that, but trust in him. Say, God, I don't know how this is good for me, but I'm going to trust in you anyway. I don't know how this is going to turn out for my good and your glory, but I'm just going to trust in you anyway. God's never wrong. He's always right. There's never a mishap, no mulligans, no oops, no surprises. Everything God does is precise planning. God does never sit on his throne and go, oh, gosh, look at what just happened. I, I didn't even know that was coming. Oh, man, I'm going to turn this into some good here. God, don't do that. You do that. I do that. We got the shock factor of uh, circumstances and calamities in our life. When I got the phone call Friday, it was a shock. It was a, a surprise to me. It was not that way to the Lord. It was not that way to him. Everything God does, you know in your life, everything he does is precise. It's planned out. For centuries, it's already planned out. Now listen, some of the things that happens in your life is not because of God. It's because you made bad decisions. Okay? So don't go, well, I'm, I'm this way because of God. No, 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 no. Sometimes you just made some bad choices, right? Sometimes that just happens. And God is not treating you like a robot. He allowed you to make those bad choices. But even in those bad decisions and bad choices, I believe God can bring good out of it. Trust in him. Trust in his authority. Jackie Hill Perry said, Since God is holy and utterly good by nature, even his harshest commands are worth your obedience. Or to say it another way, if God is as good as he says he is, then every single command is good for you, even if it doesn't feel good to you. I believe that. Everything God does is good. Listen to me when I say this. Uh, no matter what the age, especially if I could, especially the young people in the room. Adults too, please don't, don't, don't turn me out, okay? Especially the young people. Listen to me. Trust in God's authority now. Now. So that you don't have to figure it all out when calamity and tragedies happen. Trust in his sovereignty and his authority today, now. Trust in him now so that tomorrow or the next day or week from now, when tragedy happens in your life, you're not sitting back and, and just trying to figure it all out. You can sit over the most tragic thing you would ever, you think you'd ever go over, go after, and, and, and witness in your life and go through. And with tears rolling down your face, you can say, God... I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in you, Lord. I believe people are prepared for those times. I believe God prepares people for calamities. I believe God prepared Kyle and Lynn and Rachel and, and little old Eli. I believe God prepared them somehow for that. For them to look down over someone they dearly love and say, God, I'm trusting in you. I'm just trusting in you. I don't understand it, but Lord, I'm trusting in you because there's nothing you do is bad. Everything you do is good, and Lord, this is good. There's no surprises in you. Trust in the Lord now. Trust in his authority now so you don't have to figure it out later. Number next. Whichever one we're on. I should know. I didn't, look, I had two hours, okay? They didn't get numbered. That guy, they got skipped. I think it's number four. Sometimes in God's, 
uh, in God's times and periods, he does things that are opposite of our plans. Sometimes God does things opposite of our plans. You know the writer of Proverbs 16:9. A person's heart plans his ways, but the Lord determines his steps. We can plan our ways, but the Lord will determine our steps. If you're a believer and a Christian in the room, you know that you have planned to meet God one day. God is the one that determines the steps on when that happens and how it happens. Only God does that. God determines your step. You may determine to get a job one day, have a family one day, and that's fine. That's great to plan all that out. You should do that. But God will determine your steps on how that's going to happen, who it'll be with, where you'll end up being, and all those things. So plan your ways. That's okay. But trust in God, directing your steps, directing your path. And sometimes our plans are not what God's plans are. I guarantee you Friday wasn't their plans. But it was God's plan. And oftentimes it leads to mourning, sadness, or lack of understanding. Oftentimes what God does leads to those things. The question is, are you ready for those times as they will come? Are you ready for tragedies? Are you ready for situations in your life? I believe God prepares these people for uh, these times. Or he offers opportunities for people to be prepared. How about you? Are you prepared? Are you ready? How are we prepared for those things? Well... We get prepared by listening to God's word being preached. We get prepared by reading the scriptures daily and knowing who God is. We're prepared by spending times in prayer through the Holy Spirit, seeking the mind of God. We're prepared by being surrounded by a small group faith family that will listen and walk with you and talk with you and be a shoulder for you to cry on. That's how we're prepared for those things. Prepare yourself now as they will come. Listen, God does not do things in your life just to see how you will react. That's not how God operates. God's not going to wake, get up tomorrow. He don't sleep or slumber, but so omit that, what I just said. God's not going to watch you wake up tomorrow and go, you know what, I'm going to give him a flat tire just to see how he responds and see how good his faith is. No, God not do that. That's been orchestrated years ago. Before you were born, God knew what happened. God doesn't sit back on the throne and go, I'll tell you what, I'm going to throw a stomach virus in there. I'm going to sling them some kind of stomach virus they've never had before. We'll see how good their faith is when they're yelling for Earl rather than yelling for the Lord. Y'all get that? Y'all don't get that? Earl! Anyway, whatever. You got it? I'm sorry. A little young class I'm teaching, they like my laugh somehow. I don't know why. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. God doesn't just uh, do things in your life just to see how you'll respond. He doesn't do that. So listen, don't, don't respond like, God, you have no clue what's going on. God doesn't do things in your life just, so he, just to see how you'll, you will respond. Everything God does, listen to me, everything God does is planned out, and it's precise to the very second. Everything he does. The purpose is not to display your lack of trusting. Although calamities and such adversities do allow us to learn a lot about ourselves and just how strong our faith is. But that's not the ultimate purpose. The ultimate purpose is to show how he is in control and how he will always be faithful to us. 
And boy, what a great purpose that is. Lord, if the only thing you show me during this calamity is that you're faithful and you're with me, it'll be worth it. The purpose is not to see how you'll respond. The purpose is that God is glorified and that he'll always be faithful. So are you ready? The Bible says no man knows the hour. You don't know that. I don't know that. Are you ready to meet him? We do not know God's timing or periods. That's what Acts chapter 1 verse 7 says. No one knows his times and periods because he's in authority. We don't know that. We don't determine those things. I would beg you today to be ready. When Ray woke up Friday morning, Ben and I were talking about this, he never thought that would be the day, that morning would be the last time he talked to his wife in person on earth. Never thought. They were getting prepared for a long weekend. Eli was coming over. That's their five-year-old grandson. Only one I got. They were getting prepared for a long weekend. Eli's coming to spend a night with uh, Papa, and they were going to basketball and arcade and all that. Never would they imagine that would be the last day they'd ever talk to him in person on earth. Listen to me now. You don't know. No man knows the time nor the hour. That's not in our realm of autonomy. That's in God's authority. He determines that. He determines our steps. It could be today. It could be tomorrow, next week, or 10, 20 years from now. Who knows? But let me ask you this question. Just to say it was today that you drew your last breath here and you stood before the Lord and God said, why should I let you enter into heaven? What will you say? What are you going to say? Well, God, I, I mean, hey, huh, you must not know who I am. I mean, I've helped a lot of people. I'd see people on the side of the road. I'd fix their tire for them. I, I'd give the shirt off my back. You want my shirt now? I'll give it to you right now. I'm a good person. You must not know me. Lord, I've done a lot of good in my life. I've given to the church. I went to Sunday school a couple times. <laughs> I served. I did all these things. Lord, I, I was a good guy. I was a good husband, a good wife, good father, mother, sister, brother. I was good. I did a lot of great things. And God will look at you and say, depart from me, I never knew you. Why? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The only entrance into heaven is through Jesus. When, when Ray walked up to the Lord and, and met the Lord, God didn't look at Ray and see all of his sin, did he? God looked at Ray and saw Jesus. Why should I let you enter into heaven? I have no answer but Jesus. Jesus come in and said, hey, he's with me. All of his sin is put on me, God. I hope you're ready for that. I hope you're ready for the day you meet the Lord. Uh, there's a 100% chance every person will die. Do you know that? Not a whole lot of things are 100%, but that is one of them. And you will die one day. Are you ready to meet your maker? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for the scriptures. Lord, I pray for believers in the room who have lived their life, Lord, in their own autonomy. God, I have to repent of that myself. Oftentimes, I, I don't seek your advice or guidance. Uh, I think I can do it all on my own. And so if you're a believer in the room, you're a follower of Christ, listen to me. If you have experienced lately that you're not trusting in God's authority, but you're operating under your own autonomy, you're, you're doing your own thing, you're not living for the Lord, trusting in Him, trusting in His authority, you've experienced some things in your life, and you're not trusting in Him, you've been mad at God for it, would you come and pray?
Man, it was such a man a beautiful picture this morning in the 815 service of just an altar full of people praying. So, Lord, I want to trust in your authority. I don't want to trust in my autonomy. Lord, it just causes more problems in my life. I want to trust in your authority. And I know, Lord, that what I'm going through right now is good. And, Lord, I'm just going to trust in you. I don't understand it. Let me tell you something. God's never told you and commanded you to understand him. All he's ever done is commanded us to trust him. Do you trust him today in whatever you're facing? Listen, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Mike, if I were to die right now and I was approached by the Lord, I don't have an answer. I don't know what I would say. I'd probably say something that you just mentioned. But Mike, I realize that's not good enough. It's only through Jesus. Listen, there'll be pastors down front. We'd love to tell you about that. We'd love to uh, share with you the gospel of Christ and how you can um, surrender to the Lord for the first time. Listen, you may have come in here with doubt. You may have come in here with no answer. But you can leave here this morning with an answer and be confident about it. I know that if I die today, I'll go to heaven. Do you know that? Are you sure? Father, have your way, Lord. I, I just know there's people in here that don't know. There's people in here that they don't have an answer. And I pray you give them that answer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing with us?